Hey everybody, it's your boy Phil Oberholzer here. Before we get into tonight's episode, we just wanted to place a quick trigger warning at the start here. This particular story features themes of animal abuse and animal death, and a lot of bad things happen to cats, is what we'll say. So, if those particular issues are troubling for you, or or are particular triggers for you, I'd recommend skipping this particular episode. Uh, If not, then by all means, continue listening, and we hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of This Is Getting Graphic, the show where two friends celebrate the wildest and wackiest that comic books and graphic novels have to offer. I am Andrew Kilpatrick and I am one of your hosts. And I am your other host, Phil Oberholzer. Uh, we, we pulled back on the pod in the last episode to say that this was a twofer day that we're recording. So, uh, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very good. Uh, Yes, we just got done recording our Spider-Man meets the cast of Saturday Night Live episode, which was super fun. Lots of laughs, lots of weird moments. And yeah, I'm feeling, I'm having a good time. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Are you ready for a completely different comic in terms of tone than Spider-Man and the cast of Saturday Night Live? Do we have to? That comic was so fun and really, really cute. Can't we stay in Happy Land? No. Why? Because sometimes we suffer. And it's a DC comic, so everyone (laughs) suffers. Oh, oh boy. We're never getting that DC sponsorship now. I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about their characters. (laughs) No, that... Everybody suffers. Well, that's true. Uh, They also keep rebooting them, but anyway. That's part of the suffering. They don't get one life. They have to live many. It is part of the suffering, yes. So, um, Phil, this is a book that I have wanted to talk about for a very long time, but I needed to find a way in. Oh no! And this is that's the... either really good or really bad. And this is the way in because, like, here's the thing. Overall, this is not a wild and wacky series. Overall, there are some issues certainly that are pretty wild and wacky, but uh, uh, overall, this is uh, uh, tonally so. All right, there's no getting around this. We're talking about Neil Gaiman Sandman today, and oh, um, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Okay, I didn't. I knew we were gonna do this eventually. I didn't think it was gonna be this soon. It is. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna talk about Neil Gaiman Sandman. Uh, so. I, I know that you have seen Uh-oh. I know that you have seen the Netflix series because we watched it together. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um today's con well, first of all, just a little bit of background on um on The Sandman. So The Sandman was a book that came out in the late nineteen eighties. Uh Neil Gaiman was a uh, younger writer at this time, still kinda making his way and everything, and he had uh, We were all younger in the eighties. Yeah. And he had pitched um, a number of concepts to DC for them to, uh, you know, uh, possibly use and have him write. And one of these was uh, a series about, uh, was Black Orchid, which was a uh, kind of lesser known property at that time. He kind of... Good name. Yeah, he, ca- he kind of put a mystical spin on, uh, on the Black Orchid mythos. And um, then after the success of Black Orchid and what he had done with that... Uh, they called him back in again, and they were like, so what What about this Sandman proposition that you have there? And Hello, Mr. Gaiman. We would like you to make us more money. <laughs> Precisely. And so basically they were like, okay, listen, we'd like to reboot the Sandman concept. Um, the only thing that we ask is that you keep you keep the name and you kind of make it more of a legacy type deal. Everything else, do whatever you want. Okay, now what exactly does that entail? So, the original Sandman, there have been two original takes on the Sandman. One of them was um, in the Golden Age, where it was more of a pulp type of character. Uh, uh, The Sandman was Wesley Dodds. He was a vigilante who wore a gas mask, 
and uh, basically solved crime uh, in kind of more of a detective manner. And his and he killed all of his victims on a beach. <laughs> well, his equipment was that he had a gas gun that he would use to put people to sleep. Okay, okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. So Wesley Dodds was the original Sandman. And then uh, later on in the, uh, in the 70s, I believe... Uh, Jack Kirby, after he moved to DC, uh, took the Sandman concept and he rolled with it into uh, making it more of kind of like a superhero type book. Okay. Yeah, you remember that yellow suit that um, the kid was wearing in um, in the Sandman TV show? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that little kid that was pretending to be a superhero. Jed, yeah, Jed. Um, he, that is Jack Kirby's Sandman's costume, like his actual costume. So when I oh, saw no that shit. thing, I was That's like, ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. Nice callback. And then just Dream incredulously going, you are the Sandman. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> nice job, Netflix. I'm so glad that show got renewed. Absolutely. But so anyway, uh, getting back to this. So, um, what Gaiman did was he created the Sandman originally to be kind of a dark fantasy horror type comic. And that it is. Yes, very much so. Uh, The first two arcs in particular really lean into the horror aspects of it, uh, more so than I would say probably the rest of the series does. So, um, but yeah, so uh, what what we have at the core here is... um, Dream of the Endless, who is essentially the personification of mankind and its dreams, um, is kidnapped uh, during World War One, and he's held captive by this uh, Magus for 75 years before he's able to escape. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, they don't give him a People magazine or anything. Nope, nothing. He's just sitting in this goddamn bubble, nude as a jaybird. I am so bored. <laughs> My god, if only they'd give me a little bouncy ball or something. I've sung 100 bottles of beer on the wall 37 times. <laughs> but so yeah, eventually he is able to escape. And now, um, where we're at for the first part here is him trying to rebuild his kingdom and, um, you know, repair what has been lost during his 75-year absence. Now, where we're coming into it with this issue, um, is it's during the third arc of Sandman. And, um, how they kind of go with this is there are arcs that are essentially standalone stories... Where, like, they're they're kind of one-shot issues. They're either talking about, like, something in Dream's past or um, something that uh, has to do with the overall themes of the book. And uh, today is, uh, is no exception. Today, we're taking a look at The Sandman number 18, which has the title, The Dream of a Thousand Cats. Ooh, wait. Does Andrew Lloyd Webber have anything to do with this? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we can continue. No, no, there is no butthole cut of this comic. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But so, yeah, uh, this is one of the ones that, again, is more of a standalone story. And you'll see what I mean whenever we get into it, but this is one of the ones that really, like, talks about the major themes of the series more so than anything else. Like, in, in terms of the overall narrative... It doesn't really help to tell the overall story that's being told, but it... It's a story in and of itself. It's its own standalone plot. Precisely. It's its very much self-contained, and it's a very interesting kind of uh, narrative. And so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start taking a look at it here uh, as we pop into The Sandman number 18. Let's check out some cats. Let's do... So, we're looking at the cover here. Uh, So, the covers for this series were all done by one artist by the name of Dave McKean. And I love their stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, he's got very much a... um, He's got, like, a collage kind of style that he uses in his work. And it is, like... 
honestly quite breathtaking whenever you're looking at them independently. It really, really is. It gives me the vibe of, like, like a mix between M.C. Escher and Salvador Dali, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally. And it holds with the, you know, dream idea of of this whole series. Like, the idea behind yeah. this whole series is that it is surreal, and it's talking about, you know, the nature of dreams and everything. And so uh, Dave McKean's covers really go a long way toward uh, going for that overall. In fact, um, I wrote a thesis for um our our uh, I I have a minor in art history and um when I was doing my thesis for this uh I was talking about um surrealism and comic books and the graphic novel and some of the art that I chose to focus in terms of this was the uh the covers of Dave McKean for the Sandman I can see why Absolutely yeah like uh this one in particular is is interesting uh d- d- go ahead and describe it so that's going to be kind of a challenge because it is very, like I said, it's very kind of surreal. Like you said, very dreamlike. It's what appears to be a golden bronze-ish picture frame of sorts that is slightly broken on the left-hand side that is surrounding the image. It appears to be the silhouette of a cat that is leaping off of some kind of bronze pedestal under a blue sky amidst a cloud of sand. And it's it's evocative, it's mysterious, it's beautiful, and it's weirdly sad, if that makes any sense. Oh, I yeah, no. I can't no, put I get my it. finger on it, but the image feels sad. You know, it's interesting that you refer to it as as, as sand that is behind it there, because I, I've never seen it as sand, but I, I see what you mean. I always thought of it as like, you know, like a, a streak of starlight or something going through the sky. You know what I mean? Oh, I can see that. I think it's the little particles that make me think of sand. Right, right. No, I, I, I see what you mean, and uh, I find that very interesting. And around the uh, outside here, it does say the title of the story, which is A Dream of a thousand cats and so yeah this is it's a good cover it really is because the title a dream of 987 cats wasn't as catchy (laughs) no definitely not um so the art for today is done by kelly jones who uh was the artist for uh this arc of the sandman and also i believe at least the next arc um season of mists but uh, I don't remember if he did anything um, beyond that. Uh, but he is he is also very good. His drawings of, uh, particularly expressions, are just so very much... Uh, he's got this very macabre kind of style to him, which is very interesting. I like macabre for this, styles. Yeah, especially for this particular series. So, um, without further ado, let's get into the actual book itself, shall we? Let's do it! All right. So, uh, we open on, um, a house, a suburban house, where there is a little kitten who is looking up at what appears to be the, uh, the silhouette of a person, and from the side, there's a voice going, Come on, darling, come to bed, and leave the door to the kitchen open so the kitty can get to the litter tray. Oh, she's so adorable. Very cute kitten. She's just a little ball of white fluff. She's like a little snowball. She is a cute little kitty. Yes. So, um, at this point, um, the, uh, the person exits, and the kitten is left, uh, alone, and from outside, there is another cat that goes, it's tonight. To which the kitten replies, what? She's here. Holy shit, you can talk! Holy shit, I can talk! (laughs) She's here. Are you coming? It should be amusing. Say no. <laughs> this seems weird. Well, the kitten goes, I don't know how I can get out. I can't get through any of the wall openings. And immediately, you know, you get the sense of like this interesting mysticism about this whole thing. Cause like, well, yeah, talking cats. Well, it starts in the ordinary world and then just the cats take over. And it's like, oh, we're in for an interesting time here. Nothing was the same when the cats took over. (laughs) Dark and gritty. Once they figured out how to open up their tuna cans, it was all downhill for humanity. We're all their litter trays. (laughs) 
<laughs> Our hollowed out corpses serve as their litter boxes. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun later. Um, so anyway, uh, what, what, why, why, why? I can't tell you that. Anyway, so, um, oh no. So the other cat, uh, says that there is a window that's partly opened up on the second floor. So the kitten runs up to the second floor, uh, does a leap out of the window to a nearby tree and, uh, follows this, uh, this other cat, uh, down into the, uh, into the world. And no, kitty, don't go outside. You're going to get hit by a car. You're not an outdoor kitty. No, you're not. This was stipulated in the adoptions papers. Oh, you're pretty white fur. You're going to get dirty. Oh, it's fine. You can clean yourself. You're a kitty. So anyway, uh, the kitty is outside now, and uh, she is following this other cat, and she asks, what will she be like? To which the other cat replies, who knows? Not this cat. Uh, oh wait, she? I thought they were going to see a he. Uh, no, they are going to see a she, which I believe, yes. He said earlier the she's here, and it should be amusing. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. So, they're on their way to, uh, to go see whoever this is, and they meet another cat along the way, where the kitten says, we're going to see her, and the other cat replies, me too. Although I can't see much point in it. Then why are you going? Well, that's exactly what the other cat asks, to which the cat who spoke before replies, Hmm. Curiosity, perhaps. No, that kills you! <laughs> I know the saying! And then, finally, the kitten chimes in with, I want to know what she has to say. Who is she? Why is she so important? Is this, like, the mayor of cats? <laughs> <laughs> She's c coming in just like, Hello, I am running on a platform of fish and mice for all. Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> I didn't vote for her. <laughs> Those darn Republicats. <laughs> Stupid. It's Democrats and Republicats. No! <laughs> Well, that's my headcanon for the rest of this comic. <laughs> don't don't look at the third party cats though. Yeah, nobody pays attention to them anyway. <laughs> so anyway, um screw you, Meowth Nader. Meowth <laughs> Nader. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Woo! Oh, you like that one. I huh? did like that one. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. That was nice. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, so the cats make their way into a cemetery where are gathered a, a hundred other cats, so it appears. I really thought you were going to say where are gathered a bunch of dead people, and I was going to say, well, yeah, that's a cemetery. Well, that and also the, uh, you know, all, all of these, all of these fucking cats. So, um... That is, in fact, a thousand cats. Yeah, well, I think it might be less than a thousand, because I don't think this is a huge graveyard, but, uh, you know. So, they're, they're here to listen to what their, what the, uh, the cat that they have gathered to see is going to say. And at this point, from up in a tree, jumps down, um, a Siamese cat who makes her way to the uh, top of a uh, an angel statue and listen up here this is how you're all going to learn to frame lady the dog <laughs> try to steal a fish and then act like you're in pain man fuck you <laughs> i'm sorry disney has programmed me to think that when i see a siamese cat yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. We're not getting that Disney sponsorship either. <laughs> well, this is a DC comic. We were never touching that shit. Ah, true. Anyway, so the Siamese cat arrives and looks down at the crowd and says to them, Sisters, brothers, good hunting. Thank you for coming to listen to me, for your willingness to hear my message. And from way in the back, you hear one of them go, My pronouns are actually they, them. Oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. Uh, brothers, sisters, non-binary pals. Thank you. <laughs> and she goes, 
and I hope that when I have finished, some of you may share my dream. And what is she dreaming? A mouse in every gullet. <laughs> yes, four more years. <laughs> no, um, she she continues and goes. I was not always wait, as wait 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 Andrew Andrew Andrew. Are you saying that this prominent figure in the cat society got up on a podium and said, "I have a dream." I don't like where you're going with this, and I've decided to abort this joke now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, joke's on you. That was the end of it. (laughs) Very good, then. So I was just ready for a Martin Luther King-inspired speech from this cat. (laughs) So the cat begins to speak by saying, I was not always as you see me today. Once many yesterdays gone, I, like many of you, was in the thrall of human beings living in their world, plaything, possession, and toy. I used to be Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> and then my career got ruined by that goddamn hot air balloon. <laughs> and now I am a cat. I can't explain that middle part either. A cat is not a dog. You haven't seen the movie, have you? No, I have not. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to explain the whole thing right now. But if you've seen Cats, it's hilarious to you. Oh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber play. I have seen that. Oh no, I'm talking about the. I've seen the play. I haven't seen the movie version. Good God, you've actually seen the stage version? Yeah. Um, an ex-girlfriend of mine had a DVD of the stage version. Oh, that one. The one where. <laughs> okay, I know that one. Yeah, that one. Uh, this makes more sense than that. Anyway, so... <laughs> I would fucking hope so. Yeah, yeah. So, she continues, uh, you know, discussing how, um, living among humans has them fooled into being in control of their own life. And she goes, They fed me, did they not? They gave me comfort and warmth. And what did I give them in return? Some affection, perhaps. My presence. Little enough, really, for what they offered. And we then enter into a flashback where uh, the Siamese cat um, sees a tomcat outside of her window and says, It was my time for love, and he was my choice for lover. (laughs) I have a house and food at my beck and call, but God, do I need to get laid. Mm. Well, they they were watching too much Bob Barker. They didn't spay or neuter their pets. <laughs> oh, clearly they weren't watching enough Bob Barker. <laughs> so, um, basically, uh, she describes how she banged the Tomcat. There's a clip-worthy quote for you, folks. And uh, it's it's all very poetic. Um. I'm not going to read it, because it's a little weird, but... Uh, it, 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 he could do this thing with the paws behind the back of my head. Uh, thank you, ma'am. What happened next? He was strong and fast, and his claws and teeth were sharp as winter. I never saw him again, but I have not forgotten him. There are older cats in the audience covering the ears of the younger cats. <laughs> the, the, the kitten is just like, No, I want to hear this bit! This might be important. What's going on? N- nothing Nothing you need to worry about, honey. Help control the pet population. Have your pet spayed or neutered. So, um, yeah, uh, she has kitty babies. She's got the kittens after a little bit. And I'm sure her owners are thrilled about that. Uh, they are not, in fact. Because, um, as she is, uh... Oh, what? What a shock! As in the narration captions, um, she is discussing how much she is looking forward to, um, showing them the life of a cat and everything, and, you know, how she has belief in the future with them here. Uh, we do see her owners going, uh, the man is going, You knew she was in heat! Why the hell didn't you lock her in? And his wife goes, stop complaining, Paul. I think they're kind of cute. I support the wife on this one. It's inconvenient, but you can find homes for those cats. And Paul continues, cute. She's a purebred blue point Siamese. These little bundles of- Oh, fuck you. Who cares? These little bundles of fluff aren't worth diddly squat. So- Bastard. Oh, I agree. Totally. They're fluffy little bundles of joy. They're living koosh balls. How could you not love them? And it's about to get worse because Uh um, 
The husband takes the kittens, puts them in a bag, and no. throws them in the river tied to no! a rock. No! No, no, no! Yeah, I mean, you could have just gone to an animal shelter or something, but... Like, even the worst-case scenario, you just let them go in the woods? Nope, uh, drowning them in the river. Nope, I instead am going to commit active murder. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it gets worse because the Siamese's narration continues and she goes, I felt them from afar in the dark as the cold water took them. Felt no! them thrash and claw sightlessly. Felt them call me in their panic and their fear. No! I don't want to hear this! Yeah, uh, so, yeah, the, the kid- She felt her babies die! She did! It is all terribly, terribly upsetting. What the fuck, Andrew? We went from Saturday Night Live to dead kittens? It's a nice, fun story about cats! Oh, God! I know, I know. It's it's terribly dead upsetting. Dead kittens, Andrew! I know! I don't like it either! Like, this is the most upsetting part of the book! Uh, I was gonna say, please tell me it doesn't get worse than this! It does not get worse than dead cats, I promise. Good! Oh, those poor babies! I know, I know. Oh, God! I'm going to go snuggle my cat after this. Oh, totally. So the Siamese cat continues, I knew then that I had been fooling myself, that we were subordinate, that while we lived with humanity, we could not call ourselves free. And so began the cat revolution. Which... We took their babies and put them in bags, tossing them into the rivers. This sounds very biblical. <laughs> we... We took note from our ancestors of old and called ourselves pharaohs. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, um, the next thing we see is the Siamese cat. We're back in flashback, and she's sitting in front of the fire, and Paul is going, For God's sake, Marion, it's not even as if she understands. I mean, look at her. She's probably relieved. She's practically a kitten herself, and it would have exhausted her. I am going to curb stomp this motherfucker on his front stoop. Well, his wife goes, I'm sure you're right, Paul, but I can't help feeling a little guilty. Yeah, did you think? I'm glad you at least feel something. Your husband clearly doesn't. Go to the Humane Society! Anything other than murder kittens! Why was that your first go-to, Paul? What the fuck is wrong with you? And he drowned them! He drowned them! That's not a quick death! No, no! Especially as as we go through the narration of the Siamese cat. Like, it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. I think we have a new number one enemy of the podcast. Paul! Paul! <laughs> the cat murderer. Damn it, Paul. So anyway, um, the cat is laying by the fire, and the narration continues, I prayed to the darkness, to the night the carrion kind. I prayed to the king of the cats, the kind's emissary on earth, he who walks amongst us and we do not know him. I prayed and I dreamed. Oh god, this is the beginning of a warlock pact. <laughs> it really is though, kind Would of. Would you like to live deliciously? What? Oh, it's from a movie called The Witch. Have you never seen that I movie? I have never seen that movie. What the fuck was that? There's there's a scene at the end where the main character makes a deal with the devil, and the first thing the devil says to her is, Would you like to live deliciously? Okay, that just sounds like the worst slogan I've ever heard for an ice cream place. Dude, I... And I'm fully including Dairy Queen's Happy Taste Good in there, so... I contradict you by saying that sounds like the best slogan for a fucking ice cream place. Alright, I'll... Satan's 31 flavors. They taste decadent. <laughs> Christ. Any no, Satan. What's that like to live deliciously? Dairy Queen. <laughs> Anything to not talk about these dead cats, huh? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, at this point, we enter into the Siamese cat's dream, where uh, she's surrounded by a whole bunch of dead birds, uh, which is... You know, <laughs> nice. Oh, God, Paul got to them, too. Oh, no. 
That monster, did, I'll kill how him! How did you drown them? They can fly! <laughs> I tied bricks to their wings! Damn it, Paul, you sadist! <laughs> I dug their bones from the river to show you! Paul! Number one enemy of the podcast. Paul! Uh, so anyway, as as the cat is standing in this boneyard of, like, carrion birds and everything, uh, there is a bird who approaches that has a skull face, but otherwise the rest of it is um, pretty much uh, a regular old, like, vulture kind of dealio. Ah, uh, just a skull face. He can walk that off. And he lands next to her and goes, Why have you ventured to the heart of the dreaming, little cat? There is nothing here for you. My children are dead. Please kill my owner. <laughs> well, the cat replies with basically that, but more poetic. It's, I have come here for justice. I have come for revelation. I have come for wisdom. And that's when the vulture taught the cat how to use a Glock. <laughs> well, she continues, Justice, it repeated. Justice is a delusion you will not find on this or any other sphere. And wisdom... Wisdom is no part of dreams, lithe walker, though dreams are a part of the sum of each life's experiences, which is the only wisdom that matters. And then it cuts back to the flashback with the bird continuing. I was going to say, I was going to say, you're doing a lot of talking and none of it is bringing my babies back. <laughs> he continues, but revelation, that is the province of dream. It can be yours but only if your heart is strong. And also if you sign for this timeshare. Oh, God, this really is a place of death. <laughs> this is where finances go to die. And the, uh, the bird continues, Do you see that mountain? In that mountain is a cave, and in that cave lives the cat of dreams, the ruler of this sleeping world. Seek him out, but beware. The way to his cave is hard, and a little cat could come to much harm. I mean, look around you. These bones are sharp as fuck. I mean, some of these might actually be cats. I can't say that I've checked. <laughs> There's a lot here, in case you haven't noticed. I don't keep a catalog. You know the elephant graveyard from the Lion King? Yeah, that's pretty much what you're looking at here. I don't know what a movie is. Oh, that's right, and this was published in 1990, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't really know what that movie is. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the cat is determined to continue, and so um, she says, And I left the desert of bones, and I began the long journey to the home of the cat of dreams. Can I just say the Desert of Bones is a metal-ass name for a place? I mean, this is kind of a metal-ass place that this cat is wandering through, you know? Fuck, yeah, it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is an album. There's that macabre art you talked this about. This is an album cover. It really is, though. That shot of the cat standing on top of all the skulls. Oh, yeah, totally. So, uh, this is where the cat's journey really begins in earnest. Because uh, she proceeds through, quote, the wood of ghosts, and... Oh my god, this place is so metal! And she says, where the dead and lost whispered continually, promised me worlds if I would only stop and play with them. I closed my ears to their entreaties. At one point, I thought I heard my children calling me. But I straightened oh. my tail, and I walked forward. Then uh, she goes through uh, what she describes as the cold places. And basically it looks like she's just going through a snowy area here. Dude, I am going to write a heavy metal album cover based on this one fucking book. <laughs> I mean, it's really worth it, you know? Oh my god. Her journey continues um, through what she calls the wetness that numbed my paws, drenched my fur, tried to wash away my memories. So she goes through that, and then she says, I walked through the darkness, through the void, where everything was sucked from me, everything that makes me what I am. But even in the emptiness of pure nothing, no longer knowing why I was walking or what I was seeking, I walked onward. You know, Neil Gaiman doesn't really get double entendres if he's describing things as the numb wetness and then places that suck things from you. <laughs> Uh, it's either that or it's that, you know, poetic fairy tale image that you're going for, you know what I mean? 
I suppose, but I'd rather be a 12-year-old about <laughs> it. That is your role on the show. You got a point. <laughs> Pretty much. So then she says, after a time, myself returned to me, and I left that place, and I found myself at the mountain of the Cat of Dreams. That place was weird as fuck. Indeed it is, in fact, because, um... Oh, God, it really is weird as fuck. Yes. And, um, you know that cave, uh, from Empire Strikes Back that, uh, Luke goes into in order to have his weird vision quest? Yeah. That's what it kind of looks like. And... It, it does, though. I, I can almost see a little green hermit man telling her, you only bring what you take with you. <laughs> Well, there are some guardians of this cave here. We have a griffin, a hippogriff, and a dragon who uh, have been established in previous issues to be the guards that stand at the gate of Dream's castle in the, in the Dreaming. Dream's castle is on some random dirt hill in the forest? Wow, the dude needs better real estate. I mean, it's the perception of a cat, you know what I mean? Because... Dreams are shaped by the perceptions of the viewer. So, like, you know, if a cat's coming along and they see a nice warm cave there, that's like a palace to them. You make an excellent point. Neil Gaiman obviously had to interview thousands of cats to get this perspective. Precisely. Neil Gaiman just sitting down with his tape recorder. Now, what do you imagine as being the height of luxury? <laughs> interesting, interesting. And what brought you to that conclusion? <laughs> I see, I see. Do you think that has anything to do with the relationship with your mother? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was a little personal. <laughs> Moving on. But so anyway, uh, the uh, the dragon and the griffin and the hippogriff all question why the hell they should let a cat in. And... Why the Dream Lord should be disturbed by ones as small and insignificant as her. Because I'm so fucking cute. <laughs> so, uh, the griffin goes, The Dream Lord will not be amused if we allow you to vex him without fit reason. And the cat replies, I have come too far to be turned away now, griffin. I will state my business to the Dream Lord and only to him. I am a cat, and I keep my own counsel. The most intimidating way I've ever heard anybody say, I am a cat. I can has cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> if I fits, I sits. <laughs> this cat is so dignified, and we are just dragging her name through the dirt. She's a fucking cat, you know? It, uh, it kind of still works. Like, she's the queen of the cats, but anytime you see a cat, you've got to do the, oh, who's a good baby, kind of baby talk to it. <laughs> anyway, so the dragon finally lets her in and says, Enter then, pussycat. But be warned, dreams have their price. Um... Technically, you're not allowed to call me that word. We're allowed to use it. You're not allowed to use it. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, what up, my pussycat? <laughs> yeah, um, we'll talk about this when I get back. <laughs> oh, God. So, anyway, um, she goes into the, uh, into the cave. And, Yo! And this is where we see the Cat of Dreams. Yo, this is, I I will keep saying it through this whole book, this is so fucking metal. So, essentially, the Cat of Dreams lies atop a throne of fucking skulls and is a large, massive black cat with piercing red eyes. I can hear the screaming guitar solo now. And... This is a very interesting way to depict Dream, because, like, Dream up to this point has been depicted as a tall, pale man with glowing, starry eyes. So, like, it's, it's an homage to know that this is who she's talking to, while at the same time being its own unique imagery for, for um, the cat's perspective. I so, was going to say, it's all about the perspective of a cat, like you said. Exactly. So, she walks up and says, I am here. To which Dream replies, 
And who might you be? A cat. A walker in night places. A dead crow sent me here. For revelation. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I've got chills <laughs> just watching this interaction. I know. And Dream continues. Walk with me then, little sister. And tell me why you have sought me out. You are way too good at that voice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it's that. so evocative. It's like, oh my god, I need to pay attention to him. <laughs> and the cat goes, I... I want to understand. Why could they take my children from me? Why do we live as we do? I don't understand. You must understand the first rule of this world, little one. Humans are dicks. <laughs> well, Dream replies, A cat may look at a king, or so they say. Look into my eyes then, little sister. Look into my eyes. This seems unwise, if it were anyone else. And the cat replies, well, we, we, we cut back to the cat narrating in the present. And she says, and it showed me. It told me the truth, even as I am telling it to you now. For in its eyes I saw pictures, and in the pictures I saw the truth. The world is flat. <laughs> Damn, this cat's a flatter. And at this point, all the cats get up and are like, Ah, fake news, and just start trotting <laughs> oh, away. No, no, wait. If you look at satellite images... <laughs> you're looking at them on an angle! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. The big corporations Photoshop those. I'm the NASA cat, you bitch! <laughs> Oh my Mighty God. Siamese cat, the walker of dreams, is a flat earther. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, we see what exactly she is seeing from the cat of dreams' eyes. And she says, Many, many seasons ago, cats truly ruled this world. We were larger then, and the whole world was created for our pleasure. We roamed it as we would, taking what we wanted. If we fits, we sats. <laughs> there were cheeseburgers from every tree. <laughs> we could has them. And she continues, In those times, humans were tiny creatures, no larger than we are now. And the humans would groom us and feed us and pet us. And when the moon shone full... We would hunt them, and we would eat part of them, but chiefly, we would hunt them. But then who's going to groom you and pet your pretty, pretty coats? Eh, still that, but also, you know, nummy, nummy. <laughs> hey, bitch, gotta eat. And she continues, Oh, the joy of those hunting games beneath the cat's moon, the game of cat and man. Oh, damn, that's actually pretty scary. Isn't that it, That twist though? on that old saying. Oh, yeah, no. Like, this is some horrifying imagery, these tiny people just being hunted by these massive fucking cats. Right? Like, leaping out of the woods, got some guy clenched in her teeth. And it gets even scarier with that final panel, with the narration of which just reads... Oh, God. <laughs> and it shows, like, a blood moon and just the eyes and teeth of a fucking cat. Ooh, that's gonna haunt my dreams tonight. As well it should, because it is terrifying. Once again, I am going to snuggle my cat, but only so she'll show mercy on me. <laughs> so it continues, and she goes, Then a human arose amongst them. A golden-furred male, bred and raised in the pleasure gardens of one of the sybaritic feline ladies. I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce the word, but... I... All I know is, I think a revolution is gonna get started here by Jesus? <laughs> well, she continues, And the human had a dream and an inspiration, and it walked, walked amongst its fellows, and it told them... And he starts into it, Dream! Dreams shape the world! Dreams create the world anew every night! Wait, Andrew, Andrew, 
Are you telling me this leader of a prominent group of people got up on a pedestal and said, I have a dream? I'm going to need you to stop that again <laughs> right well, now. It needs, well, it needs to keep, it needs to stop presenting me with the opportunity. <laughs> but, but he continues. <laughs> but he continues. Yeah, you can't unsee it now, can you? Motherfucker. All right. All right. <laughs> Jesus. That's my talent. I drink and I ruin things. (laughs) So anyway, this dude continues. Do not dream the world the way it is now. Enthrall to our feline masters and mistresses. Dream a new world. Dream a world of human beings. Dream a world in which we are the dominant species. In which we are the kings and the queens and the gods. Dream, a, Dream world. of a world where we can has cheeseburger. <laughs> Dream of a world where if we fits, we sits. Four more years. Four <laughs> more years. <laughs> and he continues. I do not know how many of us it will take. But we must dream it, and if enough of us dream it, then it will happen. Dream shape the world. I would love if a fucking cat just exploded in here and ripped every one of them to shreds instantly. <laughs> I know. Or if somebody ah! back or if somebody back here was like, I'd rather vote for a third party candidate. <laughs> Anybody, Anybody else? <laughs> I dreamed she was gone, and so it will be. (laughs) Somebody dreamed of this gun, and who am I not to take advantage of it? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, um, the cat continues, and the word spread amongst the humans, and some of them believed, and they dreamed, and for a while, nothing happened. One night, enough of them dreamed. It did not take many of them. A thousand, perhaps, no more. They dreamed. And the next day, things changed. Oh, fuck. The title of the book just clicked in my head. (laughs) And the cat continues. She is leading the revolution. Humans were huge and cats were tiny. Humans were the dominant species and we were prey to them, to dogs, to their metal machines. Pray to the world the humans had brought with them. Is... Yeah. Uh, how, though? They dreamed it. And then what happened? And then the world was changed. I feel like we're missing a step. Dude, this is essentially a fairy tale. All right? So, like... Okay, okay, I'll I'll take that explanation. You're not going to look over at Cinderella's fairy godmother making her a fucking dress and some glass shoes and go, But how did you do that? What are the mechanisms of your magic wand? Hey, 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 hey. That lady spent a lot of time earning her seamstress's degree, okay? Do not besmirch her work. (laughs) She learned to garden so well that she made a pumpkin into a carriage. That lady works hard. <laughs> so, um, at that point, um, she comes out of the vision, and she asks him about dreaming the world into the form it was now, to which Dream replies, Not exactly. They dreamed the world so it always was the way it is now, little one. There never was a world of high cat ladies and cat lords. They changed the universe from the beginning of all things until the end of time. And they made it into this shithole? Humans really do suck. Dude, I know. I mean, good lord, they don't even have free health care. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just becomes her bitching about the government. (laughs) So he has They lie she... to us about the round earth. Uh, I think we've got to talk about that one. And so it was revealed to me. <laughs> Look into my eyes again, please. <laughs> Holy shit, it is round. <laughs> Suddenly all the cr- all the cats come back. Yay, we like you again. You embrace truth. 
I like a leader that can learn from her mistakes. I'm a follower of Cat Q. <laughs> the vision showed me how to use the gun, too. <laughs> but so anyway, uh, Dream asks the cat if she understands, and she says that yes, she does. And he then continues, Then you know what your task must be. You know the burden you must bear. Are you strong enough? Yes, I hope so. As Samuel L. Jackson once said, Go the fuck to sleep. (laughs) Well, then he goes, Then wake, child, with my blessing. And the cat awakens by the fire again, which is now smoldering in uh, in the place that... uh... So this is still the flashback territory, but now she's awake. She slept by that fire with no covering on it. She could have gotten herself burned. Eh. She's a cat. She's tough. Invince a cat. <laughs> this is the fortitude needed to become mayor of the cats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta prove not only are you good at hunting mice and, like, uh, hunting for cheeseburgers, but also that you can lay by the fire and not feel pain. And also accept science. <laughs> that is important. That is an important aspect of it. This is how she got her constituents back. So anyway, um, the cat, we're now out of the flashback and we're back to where we should be. And she says, you see, I had seen the underside of what he had given to me. If they could dream it, we could change things back. If we believed, if we dreamed. Then why are you keeping us all awake? Shut up. I had to tell you the story. You need the background. (laughs) Do I really have to shoot someone else? We're running out of cats. (laughs) Oh, uh, she was later caught on a hot mic talking about how she grabbed someone by the pussy. Oh, (laughs) that's good, but also fuck you. (laughs) So anyway, she continues, if enough of us dream... If a bare thousand of us dream, we can change the world. We can dream it anew. A world in which no cat suffers from the malice of humans. A world that we rule. And somewhere, Freddy Krueger laughs in victory. (laughs) And somewhere, another cat is going, I'm still interested in a third party cat. (laughs) I'm running out of bullets. (laughs) so um she now explains that uh she left the humans to uh basically spread her uh her dream gospel and um she has preached to solitary feral cats she shouted her message to the stars from rooftops and whispered it to dying cats in alleyways and she continues i have spoken to one cat and to many And wherever I have gone, my message is the same. Dream it! If you dream it, you can achieve it! Learn all about it in my newest book, The Tao of Catmare. And so she continues, uh, basically continuing her, Oh man, we're all gonna be kings and queens in our cat world and everything. And I'm gonna keep telling this message, and we'll go to paradise. Cool! What was your name? Meow. Four more years <laughs> of meow. <laughs> so at this point, uh, the Siamese cat ends her speech, hops down off the uh, angel statue, and starts along her way, and the cat crowd starts to disperse. But she's not going to stay to sign autographs? What a bitch. Yeah. Kiss any babies or anything? Yeah. <laughs> Shake some paws. Yeah. You're never going to get elected this way, honey. (laughs) Anyway, as she is uh, preparing to depart, um, the kitten from the beginning of the story looks at her and says, Mistress, I believe. One day I will tear my owners to shreds with my claws. Damn, that is such a good dream. (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep right now and think all about it. Ah! (laughs) So the reply from the Siamese cat is, 
then there is hope, child. And then she leaves. Cool. Where's my blue ring? <laughs> so on the way back, um, the uh, the cat that brought the kitten here in the first place uh, goes, Well, she was amusing. I'll say that for her. And the kitten replies, No, it felt right. It felt like the truth. Or a truth, anyway. Do you think it will? Maybe the world really is flat. No, 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 no. That was not what you were supposed to take away from that. You'll stop that. You stop that right now. And he starts doing that, like, really <laughs> quick cat smacking thing they do with their paws. <laughs> anyway, uh, the kitten now asks, Do you think it will happen? And the other cat has been distracted by eating a rat and goes, Little one, I would like to see anyone, prophet, king, or god, persuade a thousand cats to do anything at the same time. Well said. This cat knows what they're about. And he goes, no, it will never happen. Ah, <laughs> uh, sad end. Well, we're not quite done yet. Oh, God, does the revolution happen? No, uh, we, we cut over to um, the morning in, uh, in the... Uh, the cat, the kitten's household, and um, the kitten is sleeping in her bed, and her owner walks up and goes, "Hey, I think Kitty's dreaming. Don, isn't that cute?" Hmm, dreaming. Hmm. I wonder what cats have to dream about. Well, the way it's twitching about, I think maybe it's hunting something, some small animal, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, honey, it's really cute. Oh, that's actually a really scary ending. It is pretty chilling, isn't it? That is actually rather terrifying. That's how you end a horror story. <laughs> I Holy mean, fuck, that actually kind of that gave me chills again. Yeah, yeah, it's it it, it is Ooh. Whew, right. Oh man. Yeah. Um. So that is actually the end of the story. Um. What'd you think? I really liked it. It was really, really good. It was surreal as hell, but it was surreal in a way that I could follow. Mm -hmm. I, I've i got a pet peeve about surreal stories being too, quote-unquote, crazy for people to follow. Mm -hmm. And this one definitely wasn't that. It was really weird, but at the same time, very, very interesting. Exactly. It's a very engaging story. And like I said, like um, it, it doesn't really... It doesn't necessarily advance the story of the Sandman, but what it does is it really delves into the themes of the book, which is the power of dreams and their ability to shape the world. Like, um, you know, that that's not even necessarily in a metaphorical sense, being that this is, um, you know, a book about the king of dreams. So, you know. And we brought him into it. He was definitely a character Absolutely in it. Absolutely, he is. Just kitty form. Mm -hmm. And he was cute. No, he wasn't. He was terrifying, and I loved he him. He was also cute. He was a cat, and all cats are cute. He was living shadow with eyes made of coal. All cats are cute. ACAC. Damn it, I was <laughs> trying to make the acronym in my head. ACAC. <laughs> A cack. But yeah, no, like, the reason that I chose to highlight this is not only because it really is a great, like, chilling kind of... It's got, like, that old-time fairy tale sense, you know, where it's got that dark yeah. sensibility to it, while at the same time having, like, that message for you to take away from it. Um, but also because uh, Neil Gaiman essentially took his book and for a month made it all about these fucking cats. And I respect him for that decision. Absolutely, I do. Like, uh, to, uh, honestly, this is probably my favorite standalone issue of the book. Like, um, like I say, uh, some of them are arc stories where they'll, like, go into the next uh, evolving chapter of this uh, narrative that Neil Gaiman is telling. While the standalone stories will reveal other things about the world or about the message that Gaiman is trying to portray with this book... And it's just incredibly well done, this one. The art, the writing, the sensibilities of it, it's just, I, it all comes together really beautifully. And I am a big admirer of this particular book. 
So then that begs the question, Andrew, who is your wackiest character and wackiest scenario? Oof. Oh, man. Uh, not not for a good reason, but my wackiest character is fucking Paul because yeah. <laughs> my, my reasoning for that is because, again, you could have done anything else with these fucking cats. Absolutely anything else with these kittens, except drown them in a river. Like, you picked the one wrong answer in this conundrum. One completely and totally wrong answer. You picked the worst answer to this particular problem. And I'm just... I... You, sir. No wonder the cats want to turn you into playthings again. Man, fuck you, Paul. Fuck you. Fucking Paul. Like, if Paul hadn't done this, the Siamese cat would have no, no reason to go on her vision quest, and we'd be sitting here in blissful ignorance of the cat's desire to want to eat us all. Paul brought about the cat revolution. Damn you, Paul. He's our new Satan figure in the new religion. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Paul is my wackiest character for that reason. Wackiest situation is this gathering of cats in general. Like, how the fuck did the Siamese cat get the word out, is what I want to know. Did she put up tiny little cat flyers? Did she, like, cry out on the wind, Hey, guys, I got something to tell you. You should come. Or, like... And the most amazing part of that is people listen to it. If... With humans, if you give out flyers on the street, people immediately throw them away. No, uh, cats are more conscientious about that kind of thing. Because if a cat gives you a flyer... Yeah, that tracks. If a cat gives you a flyer, you know they're serious. If you give a cat a flyer... (laughs) So that's my wackiest character and wackiest situation. What about you? My wackiest character, I think, is going to go to... Not Jesus, who led the human revolution against the cat overlords. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Because his whole plan of was, I know what to do to stop us from being hunted for sport and forced to, and forced to care for our slavers. In order to break free of these chains, all we have to do is think really hard. And that leads into my wackiest <laughs> scenario, which is it worked. <laughs> I got I gotta tell you, that was my that was my number two. That was my runner up. Like they tie in so perfectly to each other's everyone close your eyes and think really hard and everything will be better. And then one day the cats blinked and they were tiny and went, What the fuck? Tim, is this just a way to get us get us to buy yourself help book? In order to find out that answer, you'll have to close your eyes and think really hard. All right, Tim. All right, all right. Uh, Listen, if I buy the book, will you leave? In order to find that (laughs) answer, God damn it! (laughs) Snuggles, you want to come over here? I got a snack for (laughs) you. Wow. I like to imagine these cat overlords were, like, powerful gods and goddesses, but they still had names like... Like snowball and mittens and. Are you sure they wouldn't have like more, more like warrior cat themed names? Like I don't know. Um, I've never read the books. You're gonna have to help me. Like Tiger Star and Shadow Clan and That's all that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could. That's the logical answer. But I like to imagine like Princess Tinkerbell. What do you have to say on this matter? I have quite the opinion on it, Bootsy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. That is funnier. I, I will give you that one. <laughs> These titanic-sized cats. You will bow before the might of Lady Tinkles. <laughs> anyway, this one had, this one had a very different tone than our usual fare, but I, I think it was an interesting experiment for us. It absolutely was, and despite how not grim, but darker and more artistic it was, I think we still managed to find the comedy in it. Oh, I think it. so, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, this is a book about cats, so... Um... I was just about to say, in any scenario, cats are always funny. <laughs> A-calf. <laughs> All cats are funny. True. Very true. All right, well, we hope that you also enjoyed our little look through a very different kind of series for us. 
And uh, if you liked this episode and uh, this show in general, please leave a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice if you feel so inclined, and share the show with a friend or a loved one or anybody else you think would enjoy it. And if you'd like to get in touch with us directly, you can always shoot us an email over to thisisgettinggraphic at gmail.com. But if you'd rather find us in other ways, we are on social media, the first of which being TikTok over at This Is Getting Graphic. Indeed. Uh, we are also on Facebook at This Is Getting Graphic and on Twitter at This Graphic Pod. And we should also thank Mozart Mouse for being the uh, composer of the opening and closing theme of this show, the Super Guy theme, which uh, you uh, can find over on Pond5, which is a wonderful source for royalty-free music for any of your project needs. And what kind of friends would we be if we didn't give a shout-out to the lovely Miss Alex Hanbury, who is an all-time friend of the podcast and did the art and logo for the podcast as well. If you like what you see from Miss Hanbury, you can check her out on Twitter over at Alex E. Hanbury. And with that, we will leave you for another couple weeks here for uh, another episode of This Is Getting Graphic. Take us out, Phil. First and foremost, everybody, wake up your cats! <laughs> and then when you're done doing that, remember, stay super. Come on, Fluffy. Come on, Mittens. Come on, Paul. What a ridiculous name for a Paul, that's a person's name.